And as you're being seated, if you'll turn over to Acts chapter 4 this morning. We're going to continue going through the book of Acts today um, and looking at what is happening in the life of the early church. There are some amazing things that's taking place here. And we are, we are saying that our goal is to be rooted together in a deeper, in a rich way that God desires for us. So that as we are rooted in Him, and as we experience His power in our lives, then we are able to live out the desire that He has for us in every area of our life. And so in Acts chapter 4, we're going to continue reading to give you a little bit of a catch-up of where we were at. Remember, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. The, uh, those that were gathered there in the upper room, awaiting as Jesus' promise, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so then uh, uh, 3,000 people get saved. And we just read last week in Acts chapter 3 how Peter and John were going to the temple for prayer. And there was a man about 40 years old who had been crippled all of his life. And then he was just begging and asking for money. Peter and John said, silver and gold, we don't have, but what we have, we want to give to you, and that's Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. And then at the end of Acts chapter 3, we see this continuation of the awe and the wonder that was among all of the people. And we can imagine what that was like, actually seeing somebody that we know for 40 years was not able to walk, and then whenever you see that person actually get up and walk, uh, imagine how you would feel in actually witnessing that. And so imagine the uh, word actually getting around in the city and all of his friends and all of his family members. And imagine what was taking place in the life of these early believers. Is They were like, yes, this is the power of God's promise, the Holy Spirit, that we're actually witnessing and living out. And you would think that the church would have taken off like a rocket and there would be absolutely no problems. But that's not what happened. Because whenever there's a move of God, and listen, whenever there's a move of God, the Holy Spirit always attacks. And we have to know that living the life that God wants us to live is not a persecution-less life. It's not a life without hardships. And it's not a life without difficulties. And it's not a life that other people are going to look at and say, Oh, they're perfect, right? They're going to attack us because when there's a move of God, there's always an attack of Satan because when God does something, Satan wants to counter that so that he can try to destroy what God is doing. And that's what we see taking place in Acts chapter 4. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. Now, if I were Peter and John in this, I, I've, I've read this a lot this week, thinking, what would, I, what would I be thinking if I were Peter and John? 
We just saw the power of God's promise arrive and fill God's people. We saw people speaking in other languages and the gospel began to spread. Thousands of people surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. They too are filled with the Holy Spirit. They see a man get up and actually walk and celebrating and here come the religious leaders. What would Peter and John be thinking? I would be thinking, yes, finally, these religious leaders that crucified Jesus, they're finally going to get on board because they can't deny a guy getting up and walking that they knew outside of their temple was lame for decades, for decades, never able to walk. But then we keep going. In verse 2, it says, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead they seized Peter and John and because it was evening they put them in jail until the next day but many who heard the message believed and the number of men grew to about 5,000 Peter and John were arrested because all they did was what God invited them to join him on the journey to do. They were being obedient to God. They find themselves in jail. And here come another 2,000 people that give their life to Jesus Christ. It's counter to what our flesh actually wants. How many of you woke up this morning and think, I'm going to go to church and I hope they arrest me as I'm leaving church? I didn't see any hands go up. It's counter to our flesh, right? Our flesh wants the easy way out. Our flesh wants the road that's paved with no potholes in it. Our flesh wants no difficulties. None whatsoever. None at all. It's kind of like when you've been out of practice of getting up and exercising in the morning and then you're wanting to get up, you know you need to get up, and you need to start exercising, and you think, okay, it's tomorrow. I'm going to wake up tomorrow. But then when you wake up tomorrow, you're like, oh, we'll do it tomorrow. We'll just go one more day. So I've been saying to Lucy and Abby for about a month now, on Monday, we're going to start going to the gym together. It's been a month now. We haven't gone to the gym yet <laughs> because our flesh wants the easy way out. That's true for all of us. It's just built into the flesh. None of us want to be arrested because of our faith, but because Peter and John were being obedient in the difficult moment, another 2,000 people give their life to Jesus Christ. If it took going to jail... For 2,000 people to give their life to Jesus Christ, would you do it? Oh, we say we would. We say that we would. But when we get into the difficult moments, when we get into the hard moments of life, why is it then we start complaining and arguing with God? I don't want this. I don't want to live in this moment. I don't want to go to jail for my faith. Don't you know how hard this is? Rescue me. Get me out of this. Deliver me from this moment. Sometimes God uses the hard moments of our life, the difficult moments of our life, the darkest of darkest days to bring other to faith 
in him. Because other people know that if you can get through the hard moments, then it is a faith worth coming to. So let's keep reading of what's happening here. But many who heard, verse 4, but many who heard the message believed. And the number of men grew to about 5,000 people. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Ananias, the high priest, was there. And so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the other high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called into an account today for an act of kindness shown to a crippled and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which they must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. That's not a compliment. <laughs> they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing that they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. So you see, when the Holy Spirit begins to move and God begins to work, it's not deniable because it's nothing that we can do, but instead it's his power that is at work within us. And Peter and John clearly pointed that out to all of the religious leaders that were standing before them. And we go on here. Then they called them in again. Verse, or let's go back to verse 17. Verse 17. Verse 17. But stop. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them to not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Now, I want you to capture what is taking place here. We've talked a lot about it, but I want to go back and pick up a scripture that we read uh, several weeks ago and then bring it into what's actually taking place right here. It's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now, I know you can't see the slide today. We'll put all of these slides on our Facebook page so then you can have these later on. There's several that I want you to write down. I'll do my best to read them a couple of times so you can write them down. They'll be on our Facebook page after this, so then that way you've got them, and then you'll be able to see them. But here's what I want you to catch. Back in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we're seeing the fulfillment of that verse right here in Acts chapter 4, whenever Peter and John are standing there. In Acts chapter 1, 8, it says, remember Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
There's been a lot of sermons that have been preached about this word power here. And the focus is actually on this power. But I don't want to focus on the word power. I want to, be, I want to focus this morning on the practical and how that is actually played out here. Because this power is connected to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And I want you to go back to Jerusalem and wait in that upper room until the Holy Spirit arrives. They did that. They were praying. They were reading the scripture. They were spending time together. They were waiting, as Jesus said. But this power came, or this, this power became accessible to them whenever they were filled and received the Holy Spirit. And then we get here in Acts, and this actually begins to play out. So take a look at chapter 4 of Acts verse 8. Acts 1 8 says you're going to receive power. And then in Acts 4 8, look at what's actually happening, happening here. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. It's easy to read over that. It's easy to gloss over what's taking place here. But what's taking place is Peter has received the power of the Holy Spirit. And in this moment that Peter is standing before Peter and John, before all of these religious leaders, they actually have power. Now I know that we've just gone through a second hurricane, and it has been a lot in our community. I was looking at uh, Facebook over the last uh, couple of days and seeing all of the damage and the devastation that this storm brought after that one-two punch from Ian and then here in Nicole. And it's just overwhelming looking at all of this. But in this, every one of us have been affected by this. And so it's occupied our minds. And so for just a moment, I want us to set that aside. And I want to focus on the power that is available to us through the Holy Spirit. Now in the second hurricane, our family did not lose power. But in the first hurricane, we actually lost power. And I, uh, getting ready for the hurricane, I made sure that we had all of our flashlights out. Um, one night, our family played a board game sitting around this light. But whenever, um, so it comes on, it's light, it actually lights up the room for us. But whenever I was looking to get all of our flashlights together and make sure that we had power for our flashlights... I got several out of the garage. There's one that I keep in our bedroom. I pulled it out, and sure enough, in every one of them, the batteries were dead. There was no power. And so the night before Ian hits, because I was just expecting the batteries to continually work, which they didn't, they had sat there for some time, Lucy and I went to Home Depot, and we tried to buy batteries at Home Depot in Port Orange. This flashlight and one other that I have actually takes D batteries. They take big batteries. We bought the last pack of D batteries at Home Depot in Port Orange, and we were so excited about that. We had to look at a couple of different stands, but we actually bought the batteries. And so we had power. Why? Because we made sure that we had a power source. Now, we all know it's not rocket science. It's not um, anything smart that we, have to, that we have to try to figure out. But whenever you don't have a power source in here and you try to turn this on, it's not going to work. 
Or if your power source is dead, which is what happened to me before Hurricane Ian, you have to get a power source in order to power your lights. And so now I can push this button all I want and absolutely nothing is going to happen until I make sure that I have an available power source that is inside of this flashlight. And I have to make sure that this power source actually is going in the right direction. That it's working and pointing or that's pointing the way that it's supposed to so that my light shines. We sang as a kid, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Remember singing that song? But some of us forget the power source to the light that we're trying to shine. And here in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John have clearly pointed out, we're only doing what God has told us. And in Acts chapter 4 verse 8, it is clear what their power source is. Because it says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. So what is his power source? It is clearly the Holy Spirit. So that even though they're unschooled, and even though they are ordinary men, they are still connected to the power source of Holy Spirit. Henry Blackaby said this, The Spirit-filled life is not a special version of a relationship with Jesus. It isn't a supersized version of a relationship with Jesus. It isn't even a deluxe version of a relationship with Jesus. And it is not even a better way of life for us. It instead, the Holy Spirit filled life, it instead is the only version. It is God's only plan. And we have tried living our life to let our light shine with the wrong power source. Every one of us have done that. We've all been guilty of that. And we have to make sure as followers of Jesus, we're not operating under any other power other than the power of Holy Spirit. And know that whenever we operate under power of Holy Spirit, the enemy is always going to attack us. So sometimes we fall prey to the lie of the enemy that there is a lesser Christian life and then there is a supersized version of the Christian life. And there's not. There's only one way, Richard Blackaby says, and that is the life that is changed by the grace of Jesus and infilled and powered by Holy Spirit. It's God's only plan. And here we see these miracles begin to play out in the early church. People being saved by the thousands. Lame people, crippled people beginning to get up and walk. We'll see dead people coming back to life. And Jesus isn't even here whenever we're reading this in the book of Acts. He's ascended back to heaven and given us Holy Spirit to infill us and empower us so we are able to do the greater works that he actually desires for us. This is God's only plan for us. It's not abnormal. It's not different. It's the only way. It is the promise of Jesus that we see in Acts chapter 1. And all we have to do is receive that promise. It's the Holy Spirit's power. And it's what we need 
It's what we need, we must have as followers of Jesus Christ. It's interesting to me here, as Luke writes here in Acts, in Acts chapter uh, 2, he writes about uh, the 120 or so that are gathered together in the upper room. And in Acts chapter 2, Luke writes that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Two chapters later, in Acts chapter 4, verse 8, Luke clearly points out again that Peter, full of Holy Spirit, is it two different things? Uh-uh. It's not two different things. It's the same power. And Peter and John had this daily, momentary, I mean every moment of every day, commitment that they were not going to operate under their own power, but instead they were going to operate under Holy Spirit's power. They didn't have to every day, every day, every day, go back and do it all over again. It was with them. They had access to it. It's just like being married. The best way that I can describe this is like being married. When you made that commitment on your wedding day, 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, that commitment is still there. You're still in that union, and you don't have to wake up every single day and make sure that you go back and you go all the way through that wedding ceremony all over again so that you're married. You don't have to do that because when you make that commitment, you are married, and it says in the wedding ceremony, for the most part, I put it in every one that I say, from this day forward, from this day forward, I'm going to be committed to you. Now, does that mean that your marriage is always going to be a bed of roses? No. It it doesn't happen. There's nobody that's ever lived that life. Does it mean that your marriage is not going to have a few potholes in the road of life where the two become one? No. There are going to be. But when you go through the potholes, the potholes of your life, you're still married. When you go through mountaintops, you're still married. When you go through deep, dark valleys, you're still married. But the difference is, You've got to have that in your mind every single day. Because at any given moment, you can choose to walk away from that marriage. And you can say, I'm taking that commitment back. And I'm going to go do something else. Do my own thing. And walk away from it. You can choose that. Well, this is what it's like being filled with the Holy Spirit. Once you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that power is always available to you. You don't have to go back, and you don't have to keep going through the routine and keep going back over and over and over and over and over again. It's there. You have access, but you have to choose it in your mind every moment of every day. Just as Melissa and I have been married for about 19 years. Is that right? Yeah, 19 years. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Just as we've been married for about 19 years, we've not gone back and had to redo our, our wedding vows. We make that choice every single moment. And that's what it's like being filled with Holy Spirit. Having access to that power. You've got to choose it. The power's there. It's available. And that's what's happening in Acts 1, where, or in Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit comes. And then that's what's happening whenever we get to Acts chapter 4. And it says, Peter, standing up, when he stood up here in Acts chapter 4, he was full of the Holy Spirit. 
Another way to describe this that I hope that actually works so that you can understand this a little bit better than even the marriage, it's like eating food. It's just like eating food. I want to eat food every day. The scientists, people much, much smarter than I, have said that you need to eat about X number of calories to actually fuel your body. So you need to eat so that your body has fuel. I am not living off of the food that I ate last week and expecting that to fuel my body today. Oh, I ate last week, and oh, I ate yesterday, and I ate in all of the days in the past, in the past however long I've eaten. But that food has come in, and it's been consumed, and I have to have more food put in my body so that my body actually has fuel. And listen, I'm not going to live off of the fuel that you eat. I'm not going to live off of that food. I'm going to get my own food. I'm going to get my own fuel in my body so that my body can actually be powered. That's the Christian life as well. You've got to eat your own food. We don't live off of the food of Billy Graham. Billy Graham gave us some food. Billy Graham ate the food from Holy Spirit. He had his own relationship. And so he took in that fuel, the power of Holy Spirit, showed us the food source that's available to us, and then we get to consume that spiritual food so that our spiritual life, empowered by Holy Spirit, is actually able to sustain itself. It is us absolutely every single day living in relationship with Holy Spirit. But it is not a once and done, it's over with, commitment. Oh, sure, Melissa and I got married, and that was a, an initial commitment. Absolutely, I started eating the moment that I was born, but I didn't stop eating. It is a every single moment of the day where I live in that commitment that I made to Melissa. Every time when my body needs fuel, that's when I go back to food, and I start consuming that. You see, this is the promise of Holy Spirit in our life. The power source is there for us. God says, you may have been filled, but that initial filling doesn't sustain you to the end of your life. There is a continued power source that you have to stay connected to in order to sustain you every moment of every day. That's what Peter and John are actually doing here. They're full of Holy Spirit because they are connected to that commitment of Holy Spirit's power living it out in their life. So a question that I have for you this morning, is there a breakdown between the promise of Holy Spirit's power in your life and the fulfillment of that that you see played out? You see, the same promise that Peter and John took a hold of and lived with is the same promise that we too can take hold of and that we can live with. We have to make sure that we see that promise fulfilled in every moment of our life. So is there a breakdown between the fulfillment of that promise and the actual promise that has been given to us? I think sometimes if we would be honest with ourselves, in our walk with Jesus, we would say, absolutely, we experience that. Because the tendency for us in the flesh is when things get hard, 
We want to get out of those hard moments. We want to be delivered from those hard moments. And so we want to say, yeah, I want to go do something else. But sometimes God wants us to be in those hard moments so he can refine and shape us into exactly who he wants us to be. And sometimes it's those hard moments that lead others to a sustaining faith in actually Jesus Christ. I think what happens in our lives is we just get overwhelmed. Have any of you ever been overwhelmed in life? Hey, just these past few weeks has been overwhelming for us in, the, in our community, right? As we've seen these hurricanes come through and we've driven down the road and we've put stuff at the edge of the street or we've seen our neighbors put things at the edge of the street and we've lost so much stuff and looking at the homes all along the beach and the buildings that have been uh, um, evacuated all along the beach, it's been overwhelming. But that's a different level of overwhelming. Even before that, I think if we would be honest with ourselves, we would say it's easy to be overwhelmed in life. What we have to do is we have to take the overwhelmed life and exchange it for a life that is overflowing with Holy Spirit's power. You see, whenever we face mountains in our life, those mountains tend to overwhelm us because we look at it our tendency is to look at it and say how am I going to overcome that mountain how am I going to be able to have the strength to overcome and climb that mountain it's overwhelming looking at mountains in life when instead of saying how can I climb that mountain and then becoming overwhelmed we have to start asking God God how are you going to get me over that mountain you see the difference in the two there and here Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 are not standing before all the religious leaders and standing there saying hey Peter how are we gonna get out of this I don't know John what do you have up your they're not having that conversation they're not saying how are we ever gonna get out of this situation that we're in we just spent the night in jail and it wasn't a luxurious jail with electricity air conditioning and cots and food it was just a hole that they sat in overnight and then were drugged before all the religious leaders. They were mocked. You can read it through Acts 4. They were mocked. They were taunted. Uh, they eventually were flogged and then actually sent back out. They went through all of this stuff and they were able to do that because we see Acts 4.8 when it says, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. They were not standing there operating on their own power. They were using the power of Holy Spirit. So they were not overwhelmed in that moment. They were living out of the overflow of Holy Spirit working in their life. And if you are living a life that's overwhelmed, you have to step out of the circumstances of life, stop looking at the mountains, and start looking to our Savior and saying, look, I need Holy Spirit's power to help me in this moment. That's the only way that we will be able to survive in our faith. Because what the enemy will do is he will always attack us with overwhelming circumstances. He will always try to get our eyes off of the power of Holy Spirit and our eyes onto the mountain that is before us. And this is exchanging overwhelming to living out of the overflow of our life. 
That's what Peter and John were doing. That's what every single one of us have to do. Whenever we focus on our limited resources and whenever we focus on our limited amount of power that we have in the flesh, we will always miss the work that God wants us to do in our lives. You know what? There will always be mean people in life. It, there's always going to be mean people. It doesn't matter if you walk in relationship or you don't walk in relationship with Jesus. There's mean people in life. There's always going to be hurts in our life. You're always going to get wounded in life. If you are in relationship with Jesus or you're not in relationship with Jesus, you're going to experience hurt in life. Finances are always going to be hard in life. With the cost of living going up and it seems like the dollar doesn't go as far as it used to even last week. There's always going to be these difficulties in life. But the question for us as followers of Jesus Christ, who have the promise of the power of Holy Spirit available to us, are you going to try to tackle the hurts and mean people and finances and all the other stuff in life with your own power and try to figure it out on your own? Or are you going to say, God, I don't know how to do this. I need the power of Holy Spirit to help me. The lesson to be learned from Acts chapter 4 in what's happening with Peter and John is we have a power source and Holy Spirit available to us that will always allow us to overcome the obstacles, the hurts, and the hurdles of life. The question for us today at Whitechapel Church in 2022 is what power source are we going to rely on? Because if we try to do it on our own, we're always going to end up in a mess every single time oh you may be smart and you may be able to get through a certain portion of life and you may be able to figure your way out of something and you may be able to climb one two three or four mountains but there's eventually going to be a fifth and sixth mountain that's going to stop you and something at some point is going to overwhelm you but whenever you are operating on power of Holy Spirit, we can live a refreshed life instead of an overwhelmed life. So whose power, whose power are we going to operate? What is the source that we are going to operate? Pastor Gary reminds us often. I love hearing him say this, and I've tried to remind myself of this. Whenever there's a difficult situation, you know what he says? We have a God. We have a God. And it's a reminder to me that we are living the fulfillment of the promise of Jesus. That he would never leave us and he would never forsake us. He would never abandon us, and he would never allow us to go through life with our own power. But instead, he said, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, one who is going to empower you to overcome the obstacles, mountains, and hurdles of life. Psalm 23 is a psalm that we go to often. It's one of the first passages of Scripture in relationship with Jesus that we try to memorize from time to time. And in the 23rd Psalm, 
I want to look at it in three different, uh, three different versions here. Just verse 5. We'll put these again. We'll put these on Facebook for you so you can look these up. But I love this passage of Scripture. It simply says, my cup overflows. That's the New International Version. The reminder that our cup overflows. Now, David the psalmist here did not write, my cup or my life is overwhelmed. David said, my cup overflows. He's talking about Jesus, the great shepherd, and the power, the access that we have to Jesus and the promises that he's given to us. And in this, David did not focus on the circumstances that were around him, but instead he was living out of the overflow of his life. And we read the 23rd Psalm, and we think about the good shepherd, but we skip over verse 5 where it says, my cup overflows. Listen, you can have nothing and your cup still be overflowing. You can be homeless and have nothing to your name, but you can still be overflowing because you walk in relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what the mountain is. It doesn't matter what other people say. Your cup can overflow whenever you live not an overwhelmed life, but out of the overflow of Holy Spirit's power at work in you. In the ICB version, it says, you give me more than I can hold. In the NCV, it says, you fill my cup to overflowing. This is the promise of Jesus in Holy Spirit that is available to us. We, on our own power, stand empty-handed. But when we walk in relationship, powered by Holy Spirit, our cup can overflow. He can give us more than we hold. We are able to live this life that's exchanged by shifting from an overwhelmed life and living a life that is overflowing out of relationship with Jesus Christ. Is it hard? Yes, it's hard. Is it difficult? Yes, it's difficult, but it is more rewarding than living the life without the power of Holy Spirit. Let me give you a verse here from the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah, <clears throat> excuse me, in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17 and 18, this is the CEV version. It says, God proclaiming this, catch this, God proclaiming this, I am the holy God who rescues you who rescues you. What does he rescue us from? He rescues us from a life where we are abandoned and dead in our sins and our trespasses. And then he rescues us from a powerless life to a life empowered by Holy Spirit. The scriptures tell us in Acts chapter 4 that Peter and John were ordinary, they were common men. They had no hope whatsoever according to the religious leaders. But they had been rescued and empowered by Holy Spirit. In Isaiah, God goes on to say, For your own good, catch this, For your own good I teach you, and I lead you along the right path. How I wish that you had obeyed my commands. Then your success and good fortune, listen, would have overflowed like a flooding river. You see, Jesus, God is actually saying here that in Jesus and power of Holy Spirit, our life can overflow like a flooding river. And every single one of us are able to not live in an overwhelmed state, but instead we overflow through the power of Holy Spirit. Last uh, couple of scriptures here I want to give, or last scripture I want to give to you. 
Remember, Luke wrote the book of Acts. So we see actually Luke telling us. He said, I thoroughly investigated all these things back in the Gospel of Luke, and I want to share a scripture from Luke chapter 12 there. Here we get Peter and John standing before the religious leaders, all because all they did is do what Holy Spirit told them to do. They didn't break any laws. They just walked by a man who was begging and they wanted some money. They said, we don't have any money, but we'll give you what we have. All we have is Jesus, so in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. That's all Peter and John did. That's all they did, operating under the power of Jesus. But in Luke chapter 12, verse 11 and 12, Luke writes this, and I, wanna, I want you to catch this. These are Jesus' words. Jesus said, when you are brought before synagogues, wow, here's Peter and John, and they're brought before synagogues. They're being questioned, and that's the point that Jesus is actually making here. When people begin to question you, and when people begin to, to doubt what God has done in your life, when you're brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you're going to defend yourselves or what you will say. But you know what our flesh's default is? Our flesh's default is to start to worry. Oh no, I've got this, and I'm worried about it. I'm upset about it. I'm concerned about it. I don't know how I'm going to be able to climb that mountain. But here Jesus is saying to his disciples, I don't want you to worry about any of those things. I don't want you to fret about all of those things. Why? Because of the promise that he gave us, he would never leave us and he would never forsake us. And then he said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit that will actually empower you. In verse 12 of Luke chapter 12, this is what Jesus goes on to say. He gives us the why. So he said, don't worry about defending yourselves or what you will say. But listen. But the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Now, does Jesus say here, the Holy Spirit is going to lay out a plan for you way back when? There are sometimes God does that. I'm fortunate that there have been people that have spoken into my life and said, hey, this is what I sense God doing. Or there have been times where God has said to me, this is what I'm doing. There are some times that we get the plan ahead of time. But you know what? A lot of times we don't. We don't. And in the moment, we've got to have the power of Holy Spirit. You know what Jesus said? Don't worry about defending yourself. Don't worry about what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you will say. Do you know what this says to me? We've got to do the work before that time to make sure that we're connected to Holy Spirit's power. Because whenever you get in the heat of the moment, if you're not connected to Holy Spirit and empowered by Holy Spirit, you're not going to know what to say. And you're not going to know what to do. And that's when crisis comes and the enemy tries to crush us. That's when the enemy wins. But if we want to be victorious, and if we do not want to be overwhelmed, before we get into those crisis moments, we have to be filled with Holy Spirit's power. Again, that's what happened with Peter and John here. Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We get to Acts chapter 4, it's a continuous living with Him. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Peter filled with Holy Spirit. Do you know why? Because he had had that commitment leading up to that. He didn't wait till he got before the Sanhedrin. He didn't wait before he got to the religious leaders and say, hey God, I'm in a problem. You got to get me out of this problem. He lived the life in the past leading up to that moment. And we try to live without God. And then when crisis comes, we say, hey God, I kind of need you down here. Could you step into the situation? 
But what if we exchanged that way of living and we lived every day with the Holy Spirit's power so when crisis comes, we're not running around like the sky is falling shouting, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. We need to live a life every day with the power of Holy Spirit so that in the moment, Holy Spirit is already there and in the moment, Holy Spirit has already given us everything that we need. You see... We have to exchange the overwhelmed life before the moments get too overwhelming and they crush us. Because sometimes in the heat of the moment, when the fire alarm of life is ringing and everybody is running around not knowing what to do, our flesh just falls in line because we've not been connected to the power of Holy Spirit. So this morning, I want to invite you into this way of living. I want to ask you to step out from crisis moment to crisis living, from crisis moment to crisis moment to crisis moment, and running around overwhelmed like the sky is falling and we don't know what to do, to living a life every day empowered by Holy Spirit. I wake up tomorrow, I invite, I spend my time with God, I get into His Word, I sit uninterrupted with Him, and I'm living my life, inviting Holy Spirit into my life, and then I live the day. And then when crisis comes, I've already been filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm already walking with Him, and then He already gives me the answers. Just like the promise that Jesus gave us. So are you tired of living an overwhelmed life and you're ready to start living out of the overflow of Holy Spirit who's already inside of you. Imagine what it would be like to every day wake up knowing I don't have to fight that battle because God is going to give me the answers that I need every moment. Imagine what it's like waking up not having to worry. Now, I'm not saying we live foolish lives, and I'm not saying we don't prepare, and I'm not saying we don't do things in a smart way. God expects us to do that because we can't live foolish and spend all of our money today and then get to tomorrow and say, God, hey, I need some money down here. Can you give me the answers? Well, we've got to live today under the Holy Spirit's power so we know as he directs us, he's prepared us for the crisis that he knows about that we don't know about. You see, this is exchanged life, not an overwhelmed life, but living out of the overflow of life. Are you ready to exchange that life? Are you ready to walk out of overwhelming, to living out of the overflow? If so, then I want to tell you the Holy Spirit, God, God with us, God, God himself, is here and ready to move in to you and make you the temple of, of, of Almighty God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, God with us. And he's ready to empower you. And he's ready to allow you to operate in the same way that Peter and John were operating here. So that when crisis comes and when issues arise, they didn't panic. They didn't worry about having to set into jail. Were they inconvenienced? Yeah, but they didn't fret over that. They knew that they were empowered by Holy Spirit and living out of the over. Do you know what it takes? It's a simple surrender. That's it. There's no magic. There's no formula prayer that you've got to keep praying. You don't have to lay down and you don't have to beg for the Holy Spirit. 
Because if God promised something, why is he going to make you beg for it? God has given us Holy Spirit. God says all you have to do is surrender and get connected to the right power source. You've got to make sure, you've got to make sure that it is him empowering you. And it is him that is driving you. And it's him that is leading you. So if that's the case for you, then this morning you've got to surrender. You've got to surrender. I think that there's so many of us that are living off of yesterday's food and we wonder why we have no energy today. Because God says, come to me. Come to me. So this morning, will you exchange that life? Will you step out of being overwhelmed and step into living out of the overflow? If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you this morning, if God has tugged on your heart this morning, then he wants you to surrender. And so this morning, I'm asking you, I'm begging with you to stop being overwhelmed and just surrender to him. Just say, God, I'm taking my hands off of everything. I'm tired of my batteries running down. I'm tired of living dead to everything. I just want to exchange everything, and I want to live with Holy Spirit's power. If God has spoken to you this morning, then when we sing here in just a moment, I want to ask you to step out from where you're at and come and kneel at one of these altars and just surrender to God. You don't even have to come to one of these altars. You can do it right where you're at. As you stand or if you want to kneel, if you want to grab somebody to come and pray with you, do that. But this morning, we've got to make certain that we leave here not overwhelmed, but we leave here living out of the overflow of power of Holy Spirit operating in us.